God say thank you Jesus as the choir and orchestra are transitioning off and as we are preparing to transition to uh, teach the word just for a few moments I want to take this time to uh, lift up something that we often forget Christmas is one of the most difficult times of the year for people who are in the midst of grief those who are dealing with loss the loss of loved ones of a or of a relationship, or a home, or whatever the case might be, huge. And so often those who are dealing with that kind of loss, you feel very invisible. You feel very disconnected. All around you there's joy and lights and celebration, and you just don't feel any of it. But you keep it to yourself. You don't want to spoil the party for anybody else. Today... God wants you to know that he sees you. And we want to be a part of God's blessing in your life. And we want you to know that you're not alone. So if you're going through a tough time right now, I'm going to ask you to take a huge step of faith. I'm not going to not come up here. All I want you to do, and there's, I promise you, there's way more than you. I'm going to ask you to just stand where you are, and I'm going to have a word of prayer for you. And I want you to know you're not invisible. Just come on, just stand. I want you to know the Lord has laid this on my heart. He's saying he knew you were going to be here and he wants you to know. Come on, celebrate these people standing. We're with you. Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say two things to you. One, you're not invisible to God. And you're not invisible to us. Two... If you can't tap into the joy, I want you to tap into the hope of Christmas. Everybody say hope. All right. Now, those of you around these people standing, just come on. Stand and put your hands on them. Would you? Come on. You're gonna, you're gonna, we're going to be the hands of God today on their shoulders. And as we lay our hands on you, I want you to know that God's hand is on your life. And he's going to see you through. Lord, we pray for these who are standing. I don't know their circumstances. I don't know their hurt. I don't know, I don't know their sense of isolation. But you do. And some of them feel all alone. And I'm sure they have felt until perhaps this moment that nobody knows and really nobody cares. But you do. And we do. Since we lay our hands on them, let well up in their hearts an overwhelming sense of just being loved because you love them and we love them and remind them even when it's hard to tap into the joy of Christmas 
Jesus, your coming is also about the hope of Christmas. And may they tap into that. And may you raise that in them. See them through. Bring them out victoriously on the other end. We ask this in the strong, conquering name of Jesus the Christ, who loves us more than the universe is great. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say Hug somebody before you sit down. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you. So be thoughtful of those who are grieving during this season and be the presence of Christ to them. Open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. We'll start our reading at uh, verse 56. It's right in the middle of a conversation. I'm reading from the New International Version, the earlier edition. We thank you for honoring the reading of God's Word by standing. I'm going to read through the end of chapter 8 into chapter 9, and I'll give you clues to how to just follow me. Verse 56. Jesus is speaking. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. You've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. As he went along, chapter 9, verse 1, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but... This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went, washed, and came home seeing. Everybody say seeing. Verse 35, Jesus heard that uh, they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. Say seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And there is the reading. May the Lord bless it. Please be seated. Lord, as I do every weekend, and you know that it's not ritual, you know how much I mean it. I need you to work another miracle, would you? Take this broken piece of flesh with all of his inadequacies that I am and you know so intimately well. 
because your people so desperately need to hear from you. Fill me with your spirit, work a miracle, and bring a word. Let it be the kind of word that will not miss one soul in the building. And will also include those watching by YouTube. And will also include this preacher. Would you? That's our joint prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. In full confidence you will answer. And all God's people said. Come on, let's give God another hand praise. We've had such fabulous worship. Such fabulous worship. Thank you, Jesus. For the benefits of, benefit of our guests, let me just uh, point out that we're in the middle of a series called Discovering Jesus the Great I Am. In the Gospel of John, there are eight I Am statements, uh, because I'm including this one. I've been saying seven, but ultimately there's eight I Am statements whereby Jesus talks about himself in the context of I Am and each time revealing a different dimension of who he is. Today, uh, we've preached about... Uh, Jesus' first statement, which is, I'm the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And the second statement, which is, I am the light of the world. On last weekend, we give God thanks and praise. We had a break from the series as Pastor Sarai Crane Pope preached to us and did a wonderful job. Come on, let's celebrate Pastor Sarai. We thank her for her presence. This week, we want to uh, focus on The third great I am statement. Before Abraham was, the King James Version puts it, I am. Mm. So I want you to recite, use a loud voice, just scream it out, the subject for this morning. A bold statement, shout it. Come on, shout it again. Amen. Two weeks ago, when I preached uh, last, we looked at the story of the woman called in adultery, which is in the first 12 verses of chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. Starting at verse 13, all the way down to verse 58, actually, there is a dialogue then that takes place between Jesus and the Jewish leaders and the larger crowd. As the dialogue progresses, Some would come to believe him, and others would come to doubt him. Ultimately, the theme of the dialogue is captured in John's prologue in chapter 1, particularly verse 10 through 13. You see, John is writing this book, this gospel. He's not simply telling stories. He's not just simply trying to uh, give us catch us up on the life of Jesus. But rather he's sharing these stories, but he's sharing them in a way to teach us theological insights in a way that would change our lives. So the whole book is connected. So as you read from verse 13 to 58, in chapter 8, the theme is really found in chapter 1, verse 10, 11, 12. Essentially it says, Talking about Jesus. And though he was in the world and the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Everybody say recognize. And it goes on to say, and though he came to his own, 
his own received him not. Everybody say received. received. And then it says, yet to all who would receive him and believe, say believe, on his name, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Now, what John is going to suggest is this. Whenever you find the word believe in the gospel of John, it has two components. It's never just an intellectual assent. It has everything to do with recognizing Jesus, but it also has everything to do with receiving or rather responding to what you recognize. You see, it's possible to know that Jesus is who he says he is, but don't respond to him. In John's context, that's not believing. But to recognize and to respond and include it in the response is this notion of obeying his word. That's what John says is believing. This is the center of the debate that Jesus is having with these Pharisees and Jewish leaders in the crowd. He's essentially saying to them, you guys don't recognize me. And because you don't recognize me, you are rejecting me. And as a result of your rejection of me, you're getting ready to kill me. And in the process, they refer to their marker, which is uh, Abraham, the historic marker. And he says, wait a moment, don't tell me about Abraham. Let me tell you something. Abraham looked forward to the day when I would show up. And they said, oh, you're just 50 years, you're not even 50 years old. You talk like you, you know Abraham. And this is what he says. He says, you see, you don't recognize me. Before Abraham was, I am. Now these Jewish leaders immediately knew that I am. They got it because they'd read the Torah, the Hebrew Bible. They, they know that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses said, uh, uh, to God, who should I go and tell the people have sent? You know, I, I got to go tell these elders that you sent me to deliver them. What should I say is your name? And he says in verse 14, tell them I am who I am. And then he says, go tell them that I am has sent you. When you translate the word I am, really the scholars initially, there's uh, three uh, letters, Y-W-H. The consonant later on, we added the vowels, Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Seen as the personal name, we translate it Lord, the Lord God, often is Yahweh Elohim. But when the early transcribers was, was, was copying the text, and whenever they came across uh, 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 the word Yahweh, it was so holy that they wouldn't even write it. So they substituted another set of vowels, J-H-V-H. Later we added a consonant from which we get the word Jehovah. See, so Jehovah is a substitute. Because the name Yahweh was seen too holy to pronounce. And so when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The Jews heard that to say, before Abraham existed, I am Yahweh. I'm God in your midst. That was a bold statement. And it was so bold that it caused them to want to kill him because that was blasphemy. And they got ready to stone him and he slipped from their midst. Now, put a pen there. Let me just suggest to you, how many of you know that Christmas 
is not about online shopping. I mean, it's all right, but I just want you to know. It's not about Bloomingdale's or Dale's or whatever it is. <laughs> Neiman Marcus, Walmart, Sears. It's not about trying to figure out how much space do I have on my MasterCard and how much space do I have on my Visa so I can figure out how many gifts I can buy so I can take all next year paying it off. It's not about that. <laughs> Christmas is about a bold statement. We've been singing about it all day long. It's a bold statement. It says that one day in a little town called Bethlehem, there was a baby born. I wrapped in the cloths of poor people. And when you saw that baby, you saw God. It says a bold statement. It says that, that, that a young man grew up in a little ghetto town called Nazareth. This, this little pile of rocks where somebody said can anything good come out of Nazareth and when you saw that young man running through the streets of Nazareth you were looking at God it says a bold statement it says that one day there was a 12 year old sitting in the temple and he was holding court with the great scholars and the theologian figures of his day and when you saw that young man you were looking at God it says that when that young man reached 30 and he walked up to a fellow named John and he said baptize me and they put him in the water and he came up and the heavens opened and a dove lit on his shoulder and a voice came from heaven declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. His name is Jesus. The text argues that when you see Jesus, you've just had an encounter with God. A bold statement. And if you would dare recognize him, and receive him, respond to him, he'll redeem your life, no matter how messy it is. That's a bold statement. Then we find Jesus slips out of the crowd and he's walking with his disciples. They see a blind beggar. And they said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind from birth. Now, this is kind of a crazy question, right? Because if he was born blind, how could he sin? Did y'all catch that? You just catch it. Didn't <laughs> but Jesus said, let me straighten out your bad theology. Oftentimes, you end up in bad places, not because of what you've done, and not necessarily because of what some other, your parents have done, but oftentimes, we just end up in bad places because we're living in a broken world. And I don't care how good you are, if you walk in the midst of a broken world, a broken world will, at some point, break your life. Sometimes, when you're in the cradle. So you got that straight. But then he gave him some theological insight. He said, but however this has been done, that the power of God might be displayed. Here's the other interesting thing. If you will recognize Jesus, it does not matter how broken and messed up your life is. If you recognize and respond, he can take a messed up, broken life and use it to display his power. I know this to be true because that's what he did for me. And then he turns to the blind beggar. 
Put a pin there. Yesterday, I uh, broke my usual routine. It's usually on Saturdays, Friday evenings and Saturdays. I'm uh, closed in so that I can uh, prep for uh, the weekend messages. Don't do anything other than that. But yesterday, I broke the routine because I had been notified a month ago that one of my best friends on the planet, Dr. Tony Williams, the pastor of Maranatha Christian Center, was they were going to have a surprise birthday party for him. The guys at Maranatha were surprising him. So I went on over there, surprised him, had a great time. Tony and I go back uh, almost two decades. One of my dearest friends. Tony is really blessed. Uh, he was, uh, he's earned his, uh, you'll see the importance of this in a minute. He earned his uh, bachelor's of theology, his master's of ministry, his Ph.D. in Christian counseling. He, he's preached in South Africa, East Africa, West Africa, throughout Europe, places like London, Canada, preached in 34 states across the country. God has used him to raise up an amazing congregation for more than 26 years. And he's got 42 years of faithfulness walking with God. And when the mayors over the years have needed a man of God to stand up and speak truth, they've always called on Tony. He's a really blessed guy. But after we finished celebrating and talking all good about him, he came to the podium and he said, well, you're celebrating uh, who I am. You're, we were celebrating who Tony is. Everybody say is. But who Tony is, isn't who Tony was. You see the difference? No matter who you are, there's a past. And Tony got up and he spent the next 30 minutes going through his testimony from the age of 14 to, I think, 22, eight years in his early life that ultimately gave birth to 42 years of faithfulness, which I've just described. But those eight years was horrible. They were horrible. And he walked it through. And as he started talking about it, I said, oh, wait a moment. This makes my point in the sermon. So I pulled out my tablet and started taking my notes. <laughs> and then I told him afterwards, I said, T, I'm going to preach about you. Is that all right? Can I tell your business? He said, cool. <laughs> So, Tony uh, was, was born and in, 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 in raised up in the projects of San Francisco on uh, Eddie and Laguna. His mom's house, to get into the house, you had to go through the alley. Her front door was on the alley. His earliest memory was uh, that when she would give him money to go to Sunday school, he'd slip out of Sunday school and go down to the liquor store and buy candy with the Sunday school money. So he started developing this attitude of deceiving and tricking people. By the time he was 14 years old, he was skipping class. He said one year, he said basically they were so happy to get him out of school, they just gave him a diploma. Uh, that particular year, he skipped 54 days. So, you know, they, just, <laughs> they wrote him off. All right. So he would ride in the back of the bus talking about people's mama smoking cigarettes. That's what he was. That's what he spent his time. And one day somebody gave him rather than a big cigarette, a little cigarette. They said, take a hit on this. And he hit it. And that led to a series of drug encounters that ended him up a heron addict. Tony says that he was at the bottom of life. That if you had to really figure out who he was, you'd have to go to the garbage can, look up under the garbage can. You might find a sign of who he was. He said, spend his time, uh, he, his, his, his baby girl, 
living with a wife that uh, later he hadn't married and they had a child. And, and, and he would put the child in the baby carriages and, and push and her diapers are there and he'd hide his drugs in her diapers. And he would sell drugs out of her diapers. Assuming that the police wouldn't arrest the baby. <laughs> Somebody say bad. <laughs> I'm talking about Tony. I'm talking about the great preacher I just described. I'm talking about Tony. All right. My best friend. One of my best friends. Listen. I, 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 and he said, so he was in and out of uh, 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 methadone clinic. He was one of the first people that uh, San Francisco General ever t- took into their methadone clinic. And he had to do 14 days. And he said, during the 14 days, he was, tra- he was walking around on the ward trying to find other folk that he could steal their money. And he was in and out. And finally, he ended up in front of the judge, maybe the third time. And the judge looked at him and said, you ought to change your life. And Tony said, it struck him for the first time. And he said, Your Honor, I don't know how to change my life. Later on, he was at Haight-Ashbury Recovery Center, and a psychiatrist was talking to him. And he said the same thing. You ought to change your life. And suddenly tears rolled up in Tony's eyes. He said, you know, I don't know how to change my life. You know, I share that story with you because I know that there are some people sitting here as beautiful as you look. You dress sharp, you're nice, all of that. But you've got some stuff going on in your, your stuff. Ooh, it is messy. And you want to change, but you've given up on changing. You know why? Because the truth is told, you don't know how. You've tried everything you know. And you're worse. And you don't know how. It's at that point that I saw that Tony connects with this blind beggar in the text. And I realized, wow, I got to tell the story. Because really, during that eight years, Tony was a blind beggar. And I know that I'm preaching to some blind beggars right here in this sanctuary and on YouTube. Blind beggars. Let me tell you what a blind beggar is. A blind beggar uh, is, is someone who has to... Depend on other folk to lead them. And some of y'all are looking to corporate leaders and actresses and actors to set the standard for your life. And if that's you, you're a blind beggar. A blind beggar is somebody who uh, 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 needs somebody else, come on now, to, to help them to get to where they're trying to get to. But when they start walking, they really don't know where they're going. And there are a lot of folk here. You know what your next destination is after this service, but you have no idea what your destiny is. You a blind beggar. Come on. You know, a blind beggar is is that person who says, you know, if I can just build a bigger house, I will ultimately get a home. You a blind beggar. It's that person who says, I'm counting up my money and my stock uh, uh, market stuff and my investments. Oh, that's. That's, that's how I can, that's where my value is. If you think your value is in your money and your stock investments, you are a blind beggar. It's, 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 it's that lady sitting here who says, who says, I got a hundred pair of shoes in my closet. But, everybody say but. I'm going this Christmas shopping because I've got to find another, if, if, there's, if I can find that extra pair of shoes, there's just one, and if I can find the one I'm really looking for, I sure enough will be a head turner. Come on, you, you are a blind beggar. <laughs> 
Come on now. There's that person who says, I've already got three degrees and I'm going to get one more because if I can get that extra degree, I will be the person that the world will never forget. You are a blind beggar. And the Holy Ghost and the grace of God and the one who declares, I, before Abraham was, I am, has somehow got you in this place. So you can be introduced to yourself, the blind beggar. Now, I know the story doesn't give us a lot of details. But you can surmise that perhaps... The blind beggar, and this is what John wants us to know, because John is, is working with something. He's working a theological insight. Here's the first insight he's working. It's possible for Jesus to be right in front of you and you not recognize him. And so the fact is that when Jesus walked in front of this blind man, he treated Jesus, I'm sure, like he treated everybody else. He just reached out his hand. He didn't recognize. And I just stopped by to tell y'all, some of you, Jesus has been right in front of you, but you've treated Jesus just like everybody else you've begged for. And whenever you went to him in prayer, you didn't want him to have his way with your life. You just wanted another miracle. And you got the miracle, but you forgot about the miracle that was in him. Blind beggar. But how many of you know he's a God of grace? How many of you know he'll meet you where you are? Come on now. So I don't know what the beggar said, but, but the timing was right. And Jesus decided, even though you don't know who I am, I know who you are. And even though you have no idea what I can do with your life, if you recognize me and respond to me, I'll redeem you and immortalize your story that for centuries, when other blind beggars hear your story, they'll learn that the same God who was then is the same God now. And he didn't just show up on that corner. He'll show up in your house and he'll redeem you the way he redeemed Tony and that blind beggar in the text. Somebody say, that's a bold statement. Because you know your life, but I know Jesus. What? So, story goes on. Tony got worse. Finally, he was arrested again. And somebody from Team Challenge had dropped the card off when they visited him in prison. And he was at his worst. And he reached in his hand and got the card he took a dime and put it in a payphone. I know most of y'all don't know what a payphone is. <laughs> Called them. They, they said, come on over. 1030 at night, he got there. They took him in. Didn't have no beds for him. He slept on the floor. The next morning, he got up there singing Christian songs and doing prayers. He said, I don't know where I am. This is ridiculous. He got ready to leave. He had some pills in his coat. He sewed it into his coat. Took a pill or two, popped a pill or two. He's getting ready to get out. And he got ready to go. And uh, when he got ready to go, uh, there was a funeral parlor right across the street. And he heard a voice that says, you can either stay here or end up there. He turned around and went back and they gathered around him. And when they gathered around him, he said he was used to people praying, oh, most holy God, thou who rides upon the chariots of the clouds. Come down to thy most humble servant. And so they gathered around him. He was ready for that kind of prayer. But he said all he heard was some fellow say, Jesus, save this fool. (laughs) 
Hey, the folk who raised me said, look, sometimes you just need to have a little talk with Jesus. Come on now. Forget all that holy language. Come on now. Just tell him like you feel. Lord, I need your help. Tony recognized Christ right there, gave him his life. There's a, a, a kind of response. He responds to a degree. And for the next year, he goes all around the country talking to churches, telling them about what Jesus did. But really, he wasn't quite telling the truth because he was still tipping and sliding on the side. Conning folk. After a year, he graduated. And then he had a full back, backslide. He used to go to the Christian Center, sit up in the back of the choir singing, Bishop Green preaching. He said he was high as a kite. Some of y'all sitting in here now, y'all high as a kite. But that's all right. That's all right. If you high as a kite, this is the place to be. <laughs> Finally, he came down. He's at the bottom. He's standing on the corner of the street late one night, midnight. And, he, and he's, at it. he's ready. He's just ready to give up. And he says, Jesus, I tried you. I did it your way. I went to church to church. I testified. I talked about how good you are and all of that. But look at where I am now. Tony is articulating what some of y'all feel right now. Look at me. For years, I've been shucking and jiving and trying. And I'm just a mess. I don't really think. I don't really believe. And he said he heard a voice. And the voice said, Tony, you have never given me one hundred percent. There's the diagnosis there, isn't it? There's the diagnosis there. Uh, how many of us have said, Lord, you can have my life. What, what, what I mean is you can have this part of my life. But not my relationship. I've got to have her. I've got to have him. Okay, God, you can have my life, but not this part of my life. I've got to keep my money. You know, I've got to keep my career. Okay, God, I, 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 I'm going to give you some of my habits, but not all my habits. I've got to keep a little habit on the side because, you know, life gets... And he's saying to you, I've been working with you, but I've only been working with what you've given me. So if you're 40% successful, it's just because you've given me only 40%. Won't you try giving me 100%? But here's, here's how God works. You know, when I was growing up, I used to love Jello. I still like Jello. Y'all don't even know what Jello is, but that, <laughs> that was my dessert growing up, y'all. And, 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 and one time my grandmother said, come help me make some Jello. I was happy. And so she, y'all know how you make Jello. You warm up the water, heat it up, and then you put the powder in, and then you put the warm water, and then you start stirring. So I didn't know any better. I just was stirring because I was waiting until it become Jello. <laughs> and the harder I stirred, the more liquid it became. And finally, I said, Mom, what's going on here? The thing ain't turning. She said, son, you can't stir it in the jello. Your job is to put the ingredients. Now, put it in the refrigerator and come back three hours later. And the refrigerator will do the rest. I came back three hours later. It was jello. Here's a word for some of y'all. Some of y'all, the ingredients is there. You love Jesus. You've got faith. You know the Christmas carols. The ingredients are there. You actually know scripture. The ingredients are there. You've got a few friends who, who've been praying for you. They say you, the ingredients are there. In Tony's life, the ingredients was there. Come on now. This blind, blind, blind beggar, the ingredients were there. But, 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 but what had happened was, come on, but you can't make it come together. 
You need grace. Come on now. You need power from heaven. Come on. You need divine intervention. And God has a way of saying, just do what you can. Drop the ingredients. Put it in the refrigerator of life. And I'm going to let you go along. And it looks like you're running out of steam and your life is horrible. And you ought to walk off the planet. But I'm telling you, baby girl, I've had you in the refrigerator for the last year and a half. And now you're on the street corner, Tony. And it has just come jail. Watch the text. Let me prove it from the text. God, he, he, he spits. He makes a bold statement. Say bold statement. He spits on the dirt and makes mud. First glass, nasty. <laughs> but, but, bear with me. But, if you watch it through the lens of Genesis, you recognize him. Because he said, before Abraham was, I am. And you remember Genesis 2-7, when God in his invisibility, it said he took some dirt and he shaped it in the form of humanity. Well, you know what he had to do was take some water and some dirt and put it together and create a, a clay form. That's probably what took place. And so when he spit and made that mud, he was reminding people before Abraham was, I am Yahweh. And then he takes that mud and he puts it in the eyes. Watch this. Come on now. That's stage one. Uh, 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 the miracle is in process, but it's not fully active. Come on. The ingredients are there, but it's not jail. You watching me? And, 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 and so then he says, all right, now go and wash. And because the fellow responded and obeyed and did what he told him to do, didn't argue with him. Didn't try to prove him wrong. He just took the mud in his eyes and went with somebody's help to the pool and washed. And when he obeyed the word of God, the word of Yahweh, the creator, come on now, his eyes came and his miracle happened and he saw, come on, some of y'all have heard his voice, but you haven't obeyed him. So don't get mad with him if you haven't obeyed him. Just take his word, take the mud he's put in your eyes, go find the pool that he told you to go and do what he says do cut loose what needs to be cut loose come on go get help where you need to get help show up at church when he tells you to get up out of that bed open your life up to prayer say god be god on my heart and watch him do what only god can do i'm making a bold statement Finally, he comes back. Verse 35, the fellow's been kicked out of the synagogue. He finds him. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, tell me who he is, sir. And Jesus says, the one who you have seen now, the one speaking to you, I'm he. And the fellow recognizes, responds. He says, Lord, I Believe. And then it says he worshipped him. You don't worship prophets. You don't worship teachers. You don't worship preachers. But whenever you encounter Jesus, you worship him. 
Whenever you encounter God, you worship Him. You surrender to Him. And God has called some of y'all in here today. You're thinking about your history. You're thinking about the tragedy in your family line. You're thinking about the, 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 the historical cycle of violence and all of that. But Jesus says, before all that was, I am. And you're thinking about where you are. But Jesus says, you know what? I'm not, I don't only predate you, but I post-date you. I've got you surrounded. Come on now. And if you will surrender to my love, my grace, my mercy, and recognize me as God, not just a baby to be sung about, but as God, not just a Christmas carol, but as God who knows your name, your address, and will meet you right now. I'll dare you to believe. I'll redeem your life. I'll flip you right side up. I'll take eight years of hell and turn it into 42 years of ministry. Because before Abraham was, give God a hand praise. That's it. Shout hallelujah. Say amen. Stand on your feet.